This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. I'm in the town of Liscard in Cornwall and I'm standing in a crowd. They are like 50 or 60 deep behind me and we are awaiting the unveiling of the man engine. Run on, my lovelies! He's the largest mechanical puppet ever constructed in Britain. We already done this once before. And in the depth of the crowd with me is Deborah Bowden. And Deborah, you are the Cornish Mining World Heritage Site Coordinator, waiting for something very special to happen. It's ten years since we were declared by UNESCO as one of the great wonders of the world, and that our mining landscapes, because of what they represent for the whole of humanity, should get that special recognition. So we put a challenge fund out to the creative community of Cornwall and West Devon, and uh, we got back loads of ideas. But the best idea by far was the idea that Will came forward with from Golden Tree to create a giant puppet to look like a Cornish miner and to delight the crowds. The way it was constructed has been completely inspired by the equipment you would see in a mine. His shoulders look like the wheels at the top of a head frame and his neck is shaped like the beam from one of our great inventions in Cornwall, the high-pressure steam beam engine. There he's he's going on! The reason we're a World Heritage Site is that techniques were pioneered here and equipment invented to get precious metal, tin, copper, out of the ground. So that needed real inventiveness and ingenuity. And so the idea of creating the biggest ever puppet in Cornwall uses all those skills. And we still have some of the world's greatest mining engineers trained here in Cornwall. We've got Camborne School of Mines. I have to tell you, we are some chuffed beer in the sky. Right there is a fountain to the memory of Michael Lund, who in 1842 developed the first man engine in Cornwall. We wanted to be honest about what a difficult and dangerous job mining was and how many people gave their lives for mining. The man engine was an ingenious way of helping men get in and out of the deepest shafts in the mines. And it was here in Liscard that this man engine was first developed. There's smoke and steam billowing from the mechanics of the machine. And there are lights flashing from within its mechanical structure. And any moment now, we should see it beginning to arise. There it goes from its crouched position. Head first, but still bowed. Slowly unfolding itself. This giant puppet. There it goes. And you can see the face now made out of metal parts and the eyes which stare out at us taller and taller the shroud has been taken off and we see in front of us this mesh of steel rods tires and pistons and wheels and it's painted yellow and black and you can definitely see at the top end here it's a miner's helmet with the light on the front 
it's like a dinosaur shape in front of us and it's towering above the crowds, it's towering above the two-storey bank buildings on either side of the main street. And the eyes, you really feel as though it's staring down into you, right into your very soul. In this ceremony, there was a mine captain and Bryony, you were given that role. So what do you think about what's just happened here in the square? Does it make you think differently about the landscape that you live in? Yes, it does. It makes me feel proud of it. Escape from the crowd for a few moments into a shop on the main street here to meet Louise Skipper. You know what comes across really strongly as soon as you come into the town and the, and the, and the crowds that are here is how strong the personal connection people have with mining. And Louise, you are... I'm the 16th generation of tinners. It dates back to 1515, where they used to dam the rivers and sift the rivers for the different minerals that were in it. Then they became miners in the actual tin mines, and then some of them became venturers as well, which is where they actually invest into the mines and the workers. And when you are out and about, away from the town, and you're walking out across the moor or other places, do you see the signs of the lives that they led mm -hmm. still in the landscape? Yes. We have a great on, folder. On the 13th of January in 1459, one of my grandfathers was a witness when King Henry VI gave some land to a tinner there, and you can still go to where the river is by the well and actually see where it wriggles all over the place where they actually dammed it and did that. Because mm -hmm. they really carved up the landscape, didn't they, mm -hmm. for the extraction of tin? Mm -hmm. We look at it now and it's so beautiful, but it masks that yeah. horrendous... A working life that they had. And what about what's happening with this man engine? How Do you feel it's right? I feel it's really good that they are remembering what actually made Cornwall to start off with because the mining collapsed and that a lot of people had to leave and go into other industries and go away. But it's now nice that that part of Cornwall is remembered and it's not just like a seaside place. And there's like even people that come now to my shop have been talking about their grandfathers and that and how they um, were engineers and how they went off to other countries and gave their skills to other places but it's still in a lot of people down here to find ways of making things work and everybody always pulls together. The village of Minions is set right on the top of Bodmin Moor and I've come here following the pilgrimage of the man engine as he makes his way through the post-mining landscape of Cornwall. Now Minions is tiny, it's a, a cluster of houses, a pub, a hotel and tea shop. But it is absolutely jam-packed with people. I'm looking down the road, there are cars parked on every side as far as the eye can see. But I've come to spend a little bit of time with yourself, Darius Watson, because you are so involved in the community life of this place. If we walk up this track, we will come up to the engine house, Houseman's Engine House, which is an interpretive centre to tell people something about the mining history of the area. A famous landmark is the Cheese Ring, which is a rock formation. That is on top of Stowes Hill, which is also a prehistoric settlement. So the area is just crammed with history up until the 1800s when copper was discovered on Carradon Hill and it became a boom town. 
there are markers of it still, like the engine house. It's set in profile against the sky. Yeah. It would almost be like three to four storeys high, it's that tall. So does it sit on top of a mine? There is, in fact, a mine shaft behind that low wall. And the engine would have been inside the building with one of those big beams that pumped. So this would have been a very noisy landscape. Not the crunch of shoes on the gravel path or little barking dogs, but a different noise. Mm. A loud, ugly noise, maybe even. Yeah, and and smoking chimneys and spoil heaps everywhere is almost like a moon landscape. Within that granite are the veins of copper, tin, silver in some places in Cornwall, and the men going underground to win those minerals from the seams are what has shaped this landscape into humps and bumps and deposited great piles of stone in places. It's like honeycomb underneath. Yes. If it was the right sort of day, you'd be able to look at Carradon Hill and see one chimney after another, all in a line in the landscape, and that shows you where the the veins, the loads of, of minerals were underground because they followed the loads. About the people who lived here, I mean, that, that came out of the mines and the families that they had? After the bottom fell out of the Cornish copper mining, all the miners moved away and the houses became derelict, so many of them were knocked down. There were 3,000 men employed on Carradon Hill and if they couldn't find somewhere to sleep, they would dig into the side of the hill and put a roof over it. I mean, they they walked miles to the top of the shaft, they climbed down the shaft, then they spent hours underground in really horrid conditions, and then they had to climb all the way back up. It made the Cornish miner a very strong, bold race who stand up for themselves and continue to do so now. They're going to start with a song from a story of Cornwall and it's entitled Stones. Nick Hart, who is, I've heard you referred to as the Bard of Cornwall, which I rather like. Now, music, I've already heard, is a big part of what's happening as part of this celebration. We heard the solo voice being sung when the man engine was rising in Liscard. So what about what's happening here, Nick, and how are you involved in it? What we're doing is reflecting in songs some of the history of Cornwall. We start with the extraordinary landscape, the natural monuments out on the moor and the way that the uh, inhabitants over the thousands of years have shaped those stones to their purposes. And even this small open field that we are standing on, it's full of hummocks and, and dips. It's extraordinary. I mean, it looks like children have been playing on the beach and have been making their sandcastles and the tide has come in and washed it all over. But it's not. It's the old signs of the medieval mining when the tin and copper were worked by hand on the surface. And then as the great uh, technicians of the Industrial Revolution took hold, they started to go down, and they went down literally thousands of feet. She's 
galloping shadow, whispering, whispering over the Everywhere you go in Cornwall, you see the ghosts of the industrial heritage in the mine buildings which lay waste on the moor. The beautiful postcard image that you have of Cornwall, of, of the tin mines, often set against an azure sea, it wasn't like that at all. It was grim and it was dark. But there was an extraordinary endeavour and energy and creativity in the people until the great global slump. And by the thousand, the communities left Cornwall and went off to the mines in South Africa, Australia, in Australia. South America's. South America's a very good oh. example. So Richard Trevithick, who is our great Cornish engineer, invented the first mobile steam engine before Stevenson, I might tell you. Uh, he disappeared to South America and took his technology with him. And it left Cornwall a wasteland, an intellectual and social wasteland. It is very poignant to think about that at this time with refugees, economic migrants... The Cornish were our great economic migrants as they set off on their journeys to new lands. And it's only now in the early 21st century that we're getting a real sense of a Cornish renaissance. And our man engine is just the most extraordinary example of this. Cornwall is feeling that resurgence of creativity and energy again. We are in sight of the biggest copper mine that the world had ever seen, Caradon. To the ringing accompaniment of everyday tools, we're now going to sing about Cornish mining. We're using all the names of the old mines, so Tingtang, Gonamina, Trefusis, Bolwedden, Tolvadden, and built our rhythms up around all the places in Cornwall. We're using mining implements to create a backdrop of rhythmic sound to try and give that sense of, of industry. And your choir is called? Our choir is called Canorian Loan. Canorian is the plural of uh, singer, so singers, and Loan is happy or rejoicing. You know how we, we think of coal mines, they had a great tradition of choirs and singing Indeed. music. Was it the same with Cornish mines? A absolutely. Uh, and that linked up tightly with Methodism as well. So instead of going to the pub at night, they would go to the chapel and do their singing there. You see the children now, they're, um, they've broken away from the crowd and they're running across this field that's in front of us and they're leaping between the hummocks. I used to teach in the area and I would take the children across these moors and round about and this is their playground. And they had names for everything and they had stories about everything and... In their bones they know. They may not know the detail, they may not know the exact history, they may not know the dates, but they know there was a past which was very, very great here. I'm in Minions now, and again, there are thousands of people here to witness the man-machine who begins in a crouched position hugging the ground and the eyelids of his face flip open and somehow there is a character in that face that makes you feel you're looking into the eyes of the history of mining in Cornwall. The creator of this man-engine is Will Coleman. We're sitting here on, on, on the damp turf, <laughs> 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 
having experienced the transformation of this mechanical colossus. <laughs> we are on a ritualised pilgrimage from the River Tamer to Giver in the Ultimate West. And we are deliberately invoking the spirit of our forebears at each of the significant mining sites along the way by transforming our largest mechanical puppet ever constructed in Britain so that he stands at full height and connects everybody back to the place. To the landscape, yes. to the story of the landscape. To the landscape. Really, can a puppet, <laughs> in it, uh, this colossal mechanical puppet, can it reconnect people to the landscape? I had a hunch it would, and it would appear from the last two days that that's exactly what we've been doing. The number of people I've had... You may have heard a few there coming up and shaking my hand and often with tears in their eyes because people here have had all sorts of challenges. We are one of the very poorest regions in the whole of Europe and with the decline of the mining industry and the fishing and, and farming and doing too good either, people have lost a lot of pride and dignity through that process and sitting on the end of a kind of grant handout culture is not what we particularly want to see as our future. So the fact that we have this extraordinary mining history is an incredible gift for us to help us envision a future. Even by looking back at the past? You have to know your past so you can understand your present and create your future. Well, I've always loved this place, and it is, it's that wonderful mixture of moorland. You've got the hurlers, which is you know, Neolithic standing stones. Yes. And you've got the bracken and the gorse. Our company is called Golden Tree, which is an allusion to the fuzzy bush. Kissing's out of fashion when the gorse is out of broom. And so this, this place is the landscape spiritually that the whole project comes from. Cornwall is only 0.002% of the surface of the landmass of the world. And yet, of all the mineral species that have ever been identified, more than 90% can be found in this little speck of rocky land. Now, that geological diversity is unparalleled. It's shaped our work and industry, it's shaped our food and our sport, it's shaped our music, it's shaped our philosophy, Agantavas, our language, it's shaped our identity. And so, through those extraordinary years of the 19th century, when Cornwall was the powerhouse, it was the Silicon Valley, the Japan, this high-pressure steam was the thing that drove the Industrial Revolution. And it came from here. So what is a man engine? It was a device to lift miners up and down, but only 10 feet at a time. So you jumped on a platform, lifted up 10 feet, jumped off, the platform went back down. You jumped on the next platform, it lifted up 10 feet, you jumped off, the platform went back down. You jumped on the next platform, you went up 10 feet. In many people's minds, the words man engine are associated with Levant because in 1919, having survived the Somme, 31 men crashed to their deaths when the entire man engine collapsed and fell away down the shaft. We want to tell the truth about our mining history, that it was dark and dangerous and gritty, and we do not want to look at it through rosy-tinted spectacles. However, the stories of these real peoples and their real lives, they're so inspiring. The characters we've been encountering, the ingenuity, the innovation, the endurance. I just hope that this can inspire the community to bring some of those qualities into our future that we're now creating. So we've tried to make it resonate all the way through with both historical and contemporary mining.
That huge helmet you see, that shape is only from Saith Crofty Mine. And this is a heritage project that's about the future. The interesting thing is when we come out of the mine, the smells of fresh air and the taste is so welcoming because underground, the taste of the air, even though we haven't blasted here for a day or two, it's still a different taste. Coming up to grass, they call it. And uh, mm. here we have heather growing on the hillside and honeysuckle and buddleia. So we've got these lovely scents. And you can actually taste the sunshine. Oh, so, what a uh, lovely gift to get as it, you finish a shift of work to come out into that. Uh, we're at the Holman's Test Mine. Since it closed down back in the 90s, Campbell School of Mines have been here on a permanent basis. Here we teach students from all over the world. We've got about two and a half kilometres of tunnels here. I'm in the very good company of Mark Ketchmarek. We're ready now to walk into the darkness. How long have you been a miner? I've been a miner since 1981. Uh, my father worked at South Crofty Mining uh, for 40 years. He started there in 1948 and finished in 1988. And uh, South Crofty Mine, uh, I started mining there in 1981 and that went down to 380 fathoms and there's six feet to a fathom. And when you went down in the cage, your ears would pop. If you've got any fear about being claustrophobic or if you've got asthma or anything like that, because some mines that are deep, the oxygen levels are, are very low. You're describing really quite difficult conditions and that's in modern day. You really must take your hat, well, or your helmet off to the people who work there when the conditions were absolutely atrocious. Children, eight or nine years old, boys in particular were working underground. Women didn't work in Cornish tin mines or copper mines. Someone of that age, eight or nine years old, didn't go down in a cage or a lift. They had to climb ladders or chains and sometimes doing exhausting work, work pushing wheelbarrows, smashing up rocks, drilling holes by hand and breathing in all the dust and smoke. Some of these children actually fell to their death climbing up these ladders. And that's where the man engine was such a, a tremendous invention to mm. help. We're being plunged further and further into absolute darkness with only our, well, our beams of light illuminating the ceilings which are glistening wet and the drips are coming down. You can see this lovely coloration in the wall. Yeah, beautiful, a sort of turquoise blue, yeah. green. We're in granite, but there's fractures in the granite, so you get water dripping through and that water is carrying copper. So when you call this a test mine, Mark, yeah. well, they're training, but they're testing out new technologies in mining, are they? Because there's still a constant demand for minerals. A mine has recently opened in uh, West Devon, Glamourdon Mine. They're mining tungsten and some tin. And what you've got to look at in the whole of the British Isles, there's only tin found in, in West Devon and Cornwall. And it is a, a strategic metal. But we're walking in this area now. It's quite muddy and wet. And um, these are... Some of the conditions that miners had to work in, but very noisy and dusty. The average age of a miner in the early 1900s went from 42 years old down to 27 years old, and that's because they were breathing in so much more dust. The achievement when you walked into the old mine workings, because uh, sometimes you would, and you saw what was done physically by hand, some of the tight, confined places they worked in, that type of enormity was breathtaking. Some places underground in Cornish mines you, you could lose half of London. Did you see the light coming down the shaft? Oh, 
Look at that sheer, that would have been a sheer climb. And you can see where the iron ladders would have been because there are long etched lines, the full length of the shaft. In the celebrations above ground, they are looking at how ingenious many of these men were working in the mines and the way they came up with new technologies to improve their working conditions. It's happening all the time because people have got to go deeper. It's always challenging and uh, that's what makes mining so much interesting because every day is a challenge. You know what's been so evident in the celebrations is that people are immensely proud of this mining heritage and actually they really want mining to be happening again. Of course they do. It's part of our culture, we've got the skills, we've got the abilities and it's real work.